What is it that takes away your joy? Is there something in your life, something that has happened that has blotted out the sun, that has eclipsed the joy that God has given to you? This is Friday, August 18th. And as we learned yesterday, joy is serious business for us as disciples of Jesus. I ask about the loss of joy because often the thing that robs us of joy is a hint to how we have oriented our lives. I've shared that this year, Sandy and I have three grandbabies on the way. One has already arrived. His name is Gabriel, and another is expected this week. Now, I remember when Gabriel was born, and as on the days my other grandchildren were born, I knew nothing could happen that would give me a bad day. Those new children, the good news of their births, overshadowed everything else that happened then. In a sense, this is how the joy we have in Jesus works. Here's our brief text for today. John chapter 16, verse 22. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I love that little phrase. No one will take away your joy. I've learned that no one really can for those of us in Christ. But we need to start before that. Do you know that no one can take away your joy but you? Yes, it's true. People can hurt you, and they will. You can have tragedy come into your life. But your joy hinges on how you look at those things. Even those that study people's response to wins and losses can tell you this. For example, we know if a person meets tragedy, that person typically passes through a time of depression because of the loss. But generally, they return to the level of happiness they had before the tragedy struck. And you know the same is true when something good happens to you? For example, people that win the lottery will have a season of euphoria, but then return to the level of happiness they had before. There's little, if any, lasting effect. So how can it be that you can have a joy that no one can take away? Nothing can touch. Well, it must be rooted outside yourself because our emotional life rises and falls all the time. It's like a seesaw. Or better put, your emotional life must be tied to something that is certain and dependable that cannot be taken away or threatened. And this is what happened to the disciples. They received such an assurance of love and, and grace through Jesus that through the resurrection, their joy became untouchable, resilient, and sustained through their lives. Okay, we need to say this. This joy doesn't mean that days of sorrow and pain will never come. They will. There will be days when you feel like you're clinging to the wreckage of your life, days when you wonder how you can go forward. Paul the Apostle said he had such days, that there was a time when he despaired even of his life. I've taken that to mean that he might have been glad if he died right then and there, or perhaps he just couldn't go on living as things were. But he says that at that time he learned to rely on God. He says 
the one that can raise the dead. Here's that joy that flows from the resurrection. That means that even our worst experiences are recast by the resurrection of Jesus and the love of God for us. As Job said when he had lost almost everything, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And that is the tenacity of our joy. It is David praying and praying and praying for the life of his son, but also rising up to worship God when that son was lost. How could he do this? He knew the love and goodness of God. He even said, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. You see, he knew by faith that God had more in store for that little baby. He didn't deny the grief of his loss. His heart was broken for sure. But his focus on God remained strong. I think this is where we come to, come to be because of Jesus. As we every, see everything in the light of Jesus' resurrection, we discover the depth of this joy. For those of us who are in Christ, we must discover and learn this way of joy. Years ago, when my grandparents died, they left behind an amazing coin collection that fell to my mom, their only child. They had such an amazing collection because for a time, they owned a store on Main Street in a town in eastern North Carolina. In evenings, my grandparents enjoyed looking at the coins that came through the store, and through the years, they built an amazing collection. When it got passed along to my mom, slowly she discovered the treasures that were there. Some extraordinary coins, very rare and very valuable. But her discovery didn't take place all at once, but over many years. And it struck me that our discoveries of the riches of Christ, they're also progressive in nature. In the beginning, we cannot see all that we've inherited. But slowly over time, we begin to understand all that we've been given, and we come to enjoy it too. You see, we have a reason for the same joy that the disciples had. But unless we come to realize and live in it, we won't be able to enjoy it. But when we do, everything will change for us. And unlike winning the lottery, <laughs> that joy that dissipates quickly, this joy carries us through life until we wake up in the presence of our Father. Let's pray. Father God, we've been given so much by you, but we perceive so little. Enable us by your grace to live in your joy. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon Christ and see the magnitude of the riches we have in him. For we pray in his name. Amen. Amen.